We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Let us open our Bibles to the first chapter of the book of Genesis, first chapter, verses 20 and 21. We are right now talking about the fifth day of creation, the fifth day of creation. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Here on the fifth day, we see a creation of a double character. We see the populating of the oceans, of the waters, and of the skies. The creation of maritime life and of aerial life. The Hebrew word for saying what we just read, abundance of living creatures and abound, uh, means to cover abundantly. To cover abundantly. It's like a play of words when you say that in Hebrew. is sharats sheretz. Interesting language, right? Rich in sound and in grammar means to cover abundantly that is to produce in abundance what life life the hebrew word is nefesh okay this is the first time this word appears meaning that animals have life in their beings the same it is the same word that the hebrew uh, language uses for soul Soul and life is the same thing, nefesh, okay? In the biblical sense, plants don't have real life or conscience, okay? But the animals and man, yes. On the face of the firmament of or the skies, it says here, animal life was not produced like vegetable life. There had to be a new creation, given the reality of conscious life, which would be an integral part of all living beings from now on, including man. God directly creates fish and birds to teem in abundance and populate both the waters and the air. Earth is no longer empty. This involves fish and birds of every size and kind not just the smaller kinds. To fly, the birds were to fly from one place to another. That's what the Hebrew word means. Create 
uh, fowl or birds of the air to fly from one place to another. And when we observe the birds, what do they do? They fly from one place to another, but they also migrate. Every year, they, from here, they go south. But if you live in the southern hemisphere, they go north. Okay, because the southern hemisphere is exactly the opposite of the northern hemisphere. And I notice I live there. So now, right now, in Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, it's summer. And I know my sister's flying down there tomorrow because she likes the summer. And uh, so, but the, the, the further south you go in Argentina, the colder it gets. So the glaciers and the snow and the whole bunch of cold weather, you have it south. The north is either tropical or subtropical. So in the north, you got people living like people from Algeria, countries like that. In the south, you got people from Scandinavia, Norwegians, Swedish, Germans, Swiss. Okay, so it's like here. When the immigrants came from Europe here, the Dutch went to Michigan. The Germans went to Wisconsin, and the Scandinavians went to Minnesota, and the Italians and the Puerto Ricans and the Dominicans came to New York, and it has never been the same again. So we see here, well, no, I shouldn't talk because the Greeks are in New York too. Now, it means to fly from one place to another. In other words, they are to populate the lower part of the atmosphere. Do you see how, when you take time to study the Word of God, how it gives us information that it's so important, okay, and really defines things so clearly. And then it talks about the marine monsters of every kind and to move or slide lightly. Those were the three categories of animals spoken of in this section of Scripture. Now, the, fra the phrase, according to its kind, means that there is no transmutation of the species. And that talks about the fish. And then again, according to its kind, refers to every winged bird or winged fowl. So God created. And let me just point something out. When it says that God created here the fish and the birds, he uses again the word bara, which means create, to create, but it's used, that word is used only for God, not for man. But it's interesting that when he creates vegetation, does not use the word bara, uses the word asa, which is really not create, but make. Why? Because he commands the earth that he made, or that he created, bara, to produce life in the form of plants and vegetation. So it's indirect creation, as it were. God uses what he already created to create plant life. But now, when it comes to living creatures like fish, fowl, and then later on, we'll see, we'll see when he talks about man, he uses the word bara because that word talks about living souls, living life, life itself, okay? So here we see that uh, he created that, and um, animal life was not brought forth <clears throat> from the earth or water like the vegetable life was. 
Living creatures or souls required a new creation. That's how exact the Word of God is. So when you hear anybody telling you, wow, the Bible contradicts itself, never chicken out. Just face them and say to them, show me where. And believe me, I've been doing that for the last 48 years since I got saved, more or less. Um, and every time I do that with somebody, they cannot tell me where the Bible contradicts itself. So when you read the Bible and there is an apparent contradiction, don't panic. There, is, there, are, there isn't any. It is a complementation. Or you have to read things in the context of what it's saying. Remember, a text out of context is a pretext. You can prove anything from the Bible if you take it out of context. You can prove that polygamy is okay. Okay? You can prove all kinds of stuff. Like some people do, and they twist the scriptures to their own destruction. All right? So we do not take, we don't pick and choose different sec, you know, portions of scripture just to prove a point. That's what the cults do. The, uh, the uh, false cults, that's what they do, just to prove their points. When you preach or you teach or you, you study the Word of God, you, you just need to uh, cover the whole counsel of God. You allow the Bible to interpret the Bible. And that way you're safe. All right? So, um, it says here, all these animals were commanded to reproduce according to their kind because their reproductive system had been programmed to ensure the fixation of each species. And God saw that it was good. So could you please answer me and say, explain to me why if God, when he created everything, saw that it was good, why is it that man tries to mar, to destroy, to twist, what he already declared good. You know what the bottom line of it? What's underneath all that? It's unbelief. There are two curses that are going to hit you if you're not careful. One is indifference. When you become indifferent to the things of God, you become indifferent to him. You become indifferent to his word. You become indifferent to the church. You become indifferent to other people. That is the worst curse that can fall on you. You're on dangerous ground. And the other one is unbelief. And remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it doesn't matter whether you build a huge bridge or a monument or the Empire State or any other big building or you, uh, you know, perform some great feat in life, doesn't impress God. What God wants from you and me is to trust Him, to believe. Not just believe in the sense that He exists, because the devil does that too, but to trust Him. Because if you don't trust Him, what He says in His Word, that's like calling God a liar. God means what he says, and he says what he means. Never forget that. Okay? All the theories of man cannot undo the word of God. Now let's go on to the next couple of verses. 
verses 22 and 23. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. On this occasion, God not only declared that his word, uh, that his work was good, he pronounced a blessing on them. Even though animals do not enjoy the same privilege with God as man does, they are nevertheless objects of his care. The Lord told us that even a sparrow does not fall to the earth without the Heavenly Father knowing about it. He cares for the sparrow. He cares for the bird. We read it just now this morning, didn't we, in Matthew chapter 6. That even the uh, lilies of the field are dressed better than Solomon was in all his glory. So who dresses the, the lilies of the field, the grass of the field? Who dresses it? God does. And if God cares for the grass that today is and tomorrow withers away and dies, how much more will he not clothe us or give us the things that we need? And what does he say there, the Lord? Or you of little what? Faith. Why? Because God is not pleased when we do not believe. Okay? So we see here that the Lord cares, even about the animals. He cares about the flowers. He cares about the grass of the field. He cares about the things that we probably consider not important. He, he, somebody said, God is not only the God of the infinite universe, but he's also the God of the atom. In other words, he's the God of the big things, and he's the God of the small things that we cannot even see with our naked eyes. Okay? God cares about that. So we see here that it is interesting to note the same thing occurred when the animals went out of the ark. In Genesis 8, 17, what happened? The Lord cared for those animals after the flood ended and they came out. God cares for every detail. So when he says fructify and multiply, means that God wants life to multiply. Contrary to today's philosophy, which tries to destroy the life God has created. What do they do? They abort babies. Every time they abort a baby, they are destroying life. And life is sacred. Always remember that. The giver of life is God. And the taker of life is God. Because he is the sovereign in the universe. Not us. Man is so hypocritical. On the one hand, he tries to kill life. On the other hand, tries to create life by cloning, let's say. Though I have not been hearing too much about that lately. Seems it flopped. And again, God cannot, I mean, man cannot bara. He cannot create out of nothing. He must create something out of something. Okay, so people say, well, I have the right over my own body. No, you don't. Because when you were born, you did not bring that body with you. 
the body was there. God gave you a body. That's why Job says, uh, naked came I from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul says, for it is certain that we brought nothing into this world, and we shall carry nothing out of it. The way you came into this world, that's the same way you're going to leave, only a little bigger. In all my 73 years of life, I have never seen a hearse followed by a U-Haul. And isn't it interesting that people kill themselves for something that perishes and they neglect something that's eternal? All these advertisements on TV to lose weight, to uh, you know, beauty, and this, oh, look at that. All these, the wrinkles have disappeared. Yeah, but they'll come back. They'll come back. Because the, life, the, the body deteriorates as we age. And don't let anybody fool you. Some of you who are young, hear what I say. You understand the words, but you really don't understand yet what it's going to be like when you get to be my age. When somebody says, I feel like 18, don't you believe it. You may feel in here like 18, but not out here. Right? Yeah, of course, you don't know. Most of you don't know what I'm talking about. See? Why? Well, it's very easy. The Apostle Paul says, this is the body of our humiliation. All this is because of sin. Ever since Adam and Eve, things have been going downhill. Now, that's not hopeless because the Lord is coming back soon. And when he comes back, things are going to be in an uphill for the believers, not for the unbelievers. That helps us to put things in better perspective. We also read this morning in Matthew 6. Now, I didn't, we didn't plan this. Right, Eddie? We didn't plan this. What does the Lord say towards the end of Matthew 6? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things shall be added unto you. So what is it that most of us do? Most of us seek the other things and neglect the kingdom of God. Guess what, what's going to happen at the end of that? You're going to lose one and the other. I'm not saying you're not saved, but I'm saying you're missing the blessing. You're missing the abundance of life God wants to give you when you follow him. See, when he came, when you read the Gospel of Matthew, when he came, the first thing he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who did he say that to? He said that to Israel. If Israel had accepted him for he, who he was, he would have, have established the kingdom back then, and they would have been spared all the suffering that they went through for the last 2,000 years. But because they didn't believe, God postponed the plan. Now, I know that was prophesied. He postponed the plan. 
but he's still going to do it. But meantime, back at the farm, the Jewish people and the world as a whole, because let me tell you, the Gentiles are not any better. Some people say, oh, the Jews are unbelievers. Yeah, well, for every Jew you show me who's an unbeliever, I'm going to show you 100 Gentiles that are unbelievers, even Christians. Because we do not listen, because we do not obey, because we do not walk with him according to his word, is that we go through the things that we go through. And then the people have the nerve to say, if there's a God in heaven, how come all these things are happening? They're happening because you turn your back on God, because there is a God in heaven. These things are happening because he said they would happen if you didn't do what he said. That's why it's important to take God seriously. And don't come to church, you know, just flippantly, nonchalantly. Well, if I can make it, I can. If I cannot make it, I can. Listen, seek ye first the kingdom of God. First. You got the word? First, which, is the, which part of first you don't understand? He comes first. Not second, not third, not last. First in your life. He must be. And I'm not telling you to do something I don't do. Oh, but you're the pastor. So, where does it say that only the pastors are to, are to seek the kingdom of God first and the rest of the congregation is not supposed to? Or any human being for that matter. Most important thing in our lives as we walk through this life is to follow the Lord, put Him first in our lives. Yeah, but do I need, do I need to come to church to do that? Yes, you do. Because he commanded us, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. When you want bread, where do you go? To the garage? Or maybe you go to the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the butcher, when you want bread. What about when you want meat? Where do you go? To the vegetable stand? And when you want medication, where do you go? To the shoemaker? Why do we come to church? Does that make us religious? I hope not. I detest religion. It's all man-made. What God wants from us is not religion. What he wants from us is relationship. He wants to have a personal relationship. And why do we come to church? We come to church, first of all, because it is commanded, and secondly, because this is where we hear the word of God and are taught and learned. Lord, and thirdly, we do it because the Lord Jesus Christ did it. He is the Son of God. Yet, the Bible says, as it was his custom, every Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. The author of the Bible went to hear the Bible. But we think we can do without it. No, you can't. You're deceiving yourself. Put the Lord first and watch him bless your life. I knew a man many years ago in Florida. He was a Greek believer. He had a gas station. And not just in Florida, but he came from Chicago. That was where he lived, you know, most of his life. Then he went down to Florida. He had a gas station in Florida. And he was thinking of putting a Bible verse on the big sign 
under the brand name, whatever it was, in the gas station. Do you ever see those big signs in the gas station? You want to put a Bible verse there. And people said to him, no, don't do that. Because you're gonna, your, your business is going to suffer. No, 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 no. He said, no, I'm going to do it. So he went ahead and put the Bible verse on top of the thing. You know what? His business increased, doubled. Don't ever believe the devil's lies. You honor God, he'll honor you. The word of God says that. Amen? Put him first in your life. You'll come ahead. You'll come ahead. How can you lose with the creator of the universe? That's ridiculous. Okay, now, what does God want? God wants life to multiply. That's why he gave all the animals, gave man the ability, capacity to multiply. Not only physically, but spiritually too. Contrary to today's philosophy, which tries to destroy the life that God has created. Listen, that baby in a, in a woman's womb is a, is a life. It is not a fetus. It's a human being. So they have all this big debate. Where does life begin? Does it begin at birth or does it begin at conception? Well, first of all, let me tell you that you cannot have a birth if you first don't have a conception. Duh. And secondly, I don't believe life begins at conception. I believe that at conception, a new life begins, but I believe that at conception, life is transmitted. So where, when does life begin? Wrong tense. Life does not begin. Life began. When? When God bara. When he created life. God doesn't tell us to limit our, fructifi our, our, our fr uh, fructifying. God tells us to increase it. So what is the philosophy today? Well, you get married and you have one or two kids. Who determines that? I had an aunt, may she rest in peace. She was one of those Sherman tanks. She did not, did not enter a room. She invaded it. We used to call her the sergeant. And every time we saw her coming, we fled the other way. But she controlled everything and everybody. And she would tell people how many kids to have. You get married and you have one or two kids, da da da, you know. And when she heard somebody had three kids, it was like, oh, three. Hmm. And then somebody had four, it was like, four? But that's too many. And if they didn't have any kids, it was like, when are you having any kids? But she forgets that she came from a family where her mother had eight. My other grandmother had nine. Now it's one, two. That's why the population in this country is decreasing among certain ethnic groups because they got the philosophy of one or two. Here come other ethnic uh, uh, groups and they continue with the old uh, you know, tradition of having many kids and they're you know, surpassing us. Nobody can, nobody can dictate to anybody how many kids to have. I've seen that in my ministry. Oh, people are so funny. 
I had a couple in my church many years ago. They had no kids. They couldn't have any kids. And people were so indiscreet. You know, mind your own business, please. They went up there. They used to go up to them and say, oh, when are you going to have any kids? Oh, shut up and sit down. Those people could not have kids. I don't know if it was him or her, but it doesn't matter. It takes one not to be able to have kids, right? Somebody came with two kids. Oh, that's nice. Somebody came with four kids. Oh, man, four kids? I know somebody in Wisconsin. He's a friend of my friend Nick. He has eight kids. They have a van. A, a maxi van at that. Eight kids. And you know what? When you have children, it's like manna. Remember the manna that fell from heaven? It was just enough for everybody. So since people are worried about, oh, I'm going to have too many kids, how am I going to feed them? Listen, where three people can eat, four can eat. And where four people eat, five can eat. My family went through World War II. They were under the Nazi boot for four years. Nobody starved. And they were not rich. They were poor people. God saw to it. And we live in America, and we're worried about where are we going to get our next meal. Some of us could stand a diet, like me, and which, by the way, I am in. So you keep on praying for me, because I found out that flying goes by pound now. So I want to lose pounds. So it'll be cheaper. <laughs> you don't get it? Yeah, by the by weight. You know, the more you wait, the more they charge. No, I'm only kidding you. <laughs> don't you know me by now? It's nice to laugh a little bit, huh? Heaven help us the day we lose our sense of humor, become like pickled, uh, uh, what do you call it? Eggplants. Now, it is evident, once again, that evolution is completely wrong. Let me say it clearly once again, in case you haven't heard this. Evolution is the biggest hoax that man created. And don't forget, it is only a theory that came out of the darkened understanding of Charles Darwin, who had a horrible life. It contradicts the word of God, and it's an insult to God. God doesn't need evolution to create everything he created. Evolution contradicts the word of God. It's a religion. It is not science because it does not fall under the category of anything that can be observed because you cannot observe something that happened 50 billion years ago. And I like to ask those so smart scientists what God asked Job. Where were you? When I created everything, he told them. And that's the same question we need, to, we need to ask. Where were you when God created all those things? Where were you? Were you there? Were you a witness to that? 
awfully presumptuous of you to come back to come 50 million years later to say what happened 50 million years ago you have no idea hmm? so here we see that it contradicts creation the divine order of creation evolution says that first came the marine organisms then earthly plants and then the birds Creation says that plants were created first and then marine creatures and birds simultaneously. Besides, God created large animals first, contrary to the evolution theory. And at the end of the fifth day, the earth was fully inhabited with all kinds of fish and birds. It was no longer void. It was no longer empty. He created the plants on the fourth day, and then he created the insects on the sixth day. So if each day was millions of years old, then it took millions of years for the insects to come and pollinize all of the flowers and the vegetation. That's crazy. I'm reminded of the verse in Romans that says that they professing themselves to be wise, they became The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to be wise? Fear the Lord. And I don't mean by fear, be terrified. I'm saying reverential awe. God is wonderful. And his creation, his, his whole pattern of creation is perfect. He could have created everything in just one second. But he chose to do it in six days and in a manner totally, in a manner totally ordered, orderly. Creating a pattern for us to follow. Six days he worked. And on the seventh he rested. Now God wasn't tired. He just contemplated and blessed what he he wants us also to learn to pause after we work the whole week. Pause and take time to have communion and fellowship with God through his word, prayer, and quiet time. Do you know why man is the way he is now, nowadays? Because people today don't rest. They don't rest. They got to be doing things. And God did not create us to do that. He created us to learn to rest and work, work and rest, work and rest. Have a rhythm in life, because that's how he did it, okay? So this is the, the uh, completion of the fifth day of creation. And through that, we see his marvelous, his wonderful work. And I trust that you are reading through the beginning chapters of the book of Genesis to familiarize yourself with the scriptures not just only when we come to church but every day of your life Father in heaven we thank you so much for the perfect pattern that you showed us in your, in your word in the scriptures we thank you Lord
We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.